Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Okay, you know, this card looks great wrapped around you, you know. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 9.03 the time. Hour number three here on Sports 56 Mornings, our first show of 2024, the Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024 edition. Still quite cold out there, 28 degrees. And uh, we're looking at a high today of only about 42 cloudy skies for the most part, and then dipping again to the low 30s, maybe upper 20s tonight for your Tuesday evening. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Their floor model sale is underway at Family Leisure, 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. It's Tuesday. It's time to talk some Rhodes Athletics. It's time to go inside Rhodes College Athletics on Sports 56 Mornings. Every week, a representative from Rhodes will join Greg and Eli to talk about all things Lynx. Let's go inside Rhodes Athletics now on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are joined once again by the head basketball coach of the Rhodes men's basketball team, Zoe Goodson. You can follow him on Twitter at Zoe Goodson. And good to see you. You made it back from Las Vegas alive and in one piece. Everybody's back. Happy. No issues. We had a great great week. Uh, could have been better on the floor, but the one-on-one wasn't too bad. But yeah, everybody's back healthy and safe and had a, had a really good time. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to everybody. So the Las Vegas tournament is uh, what Coach is talking about, where... Rhodes knocked off Whittier from California, 84-79 in the first game. And then on Saturday, lost to Laverne, also from California, correct? Correct. 85-61. to So you guys at 7-5 and overall after the 1-1 one and one weekend. We were talking before uh, we came back from the break, and you you shoot a lot of threes, so sometimes you, you, you live by the three, right, and you die by the three, and that seemed to be the case over the weekend. No doubt about it. And, you know, I think we talked about it last – Last week on the show is we we get out in transition we shoot a lot of threes and so sometimes when you deal with a, a different venue you know we're we're accustomed to playing in smaller gyms smaller arenas and we walked into an arena that was was very different and during shoot around you know you could kind of sense there was a little bit of something that was off um, but it, it is what it is and, and we we did a really good job in the <clears throat> Whittier game of attacking the rim. And continue. Of course, you see where we got, you know, twenty-one offensive rebounds wow. in that game, and that was uh, the, the difference maker in that game. We shot a lot of threes, but we were able to get the putbacks, <laughs> and so uh, it was a, it was a different venue than we've ever seen, than, than we'll probably ever play in the rest of the year. But uh, it was good for the guys to to know that you, you got to be able to adjust. The three-point shooting, certainly as you mentioned, but. Your free throw shooting too, like you just struggled shooting anything in that that gym. Yeah, it was, it was abysmal. The free throw shooting. I don't know what to <laughs> say. Gotta, I know that drives coaches crazy. Drives me crazy, especially when you have great shooters stepping up to the free throw line, and and so it's just something we're gonna get. We're getting back to work right here in my notes. It says two a days, the rest of the week. You know, we're <laughs> we're shooting in the mornings, and we'll get back after it in practice and afternoons, but. We're going to work on a lot of shooting today at 10 o'clock and tomorrow at 10 o'clock and Thursday at 10 o'clock. <laughs> and we're going to get back in the gym in the afternoons at practice, but we got to, we got to figure that out. Look, I understand that uh, you know court dimensions are the same no matter where you play the basketball, but as far as your, your not only your peripheral, but what you see in, in, the, uh, in, in the background is yep. different. So as a 
player and now a coach. Um, discuss that, or, or at least tell people why there is those issues, and it, and it takes a while for teams to adjust to different settings, right. different surroundings. Depth, per- depth perception is, is the biggest key. And so, like in this interesting place that we played at, <laughs> there, was a, there was no backdrop on one end of the floor except for the wall that was you know hundreds of feet back. Right. On the other end, they had this giant black curtain that went all the way almost all the way to the ceiling, right behind the goal. So in one half, you're shooting with what you think is a wall dead perception right there. Oh, wow. And the other half is different. So, And look, the the other team had to play at the same gym, right? (laughs) And they they shot the ball really well. So sure, are you searching for an excuse? But it does mess with you a little bit until you get a feel for the court. So what, you know, going one-on-one out there, we talked about this was a, you know, a premier event in, as far as Division Three basketball goes. Going one and one out there, what, where does, what does this do for you in the kind of the, the big picture for the season? Well, you know, the biggest thing was coming back off of Christmas after a long break and seeing that the guy, we bounced back right away quickly, right, with a, a good win against Whittier. And so, and we played two very talented teams, athletically talented, very talented teams. And both teams had played a really tough schedule. Up to this point. So we knew, even though the records didn't indicate that they were a really good team, they were really good teams. Mm-hmm. And so we knew what we were getting ourselves into um, <clears throat> going out to this event. But, you know, on the flip side, you know, a guy like Phil comes out all-tournament team. So, you know, we, he gets some great national recognition yeah. for himself while being out there. But so did the team. All the guys did. And, you know, a guy like Xavier, who had two double-doubles while he was out there, he caught the eye of a, a lot of people. So, you know, one of the committee members stopped me on our way out after the loss. And it's like, hey, you guys passed the eye test. And that was even after the loss. So those are things you want to you wanna hear coming from a place like that. Well, not only do you get that exposure from being a prominent Division Three tournament, but also it gets you ready for conference play because you're playing cal- good caliber competition and you're jumping right into the fire this weekend. That's you're right. heading down to Georgia to play Barry and to play Oglethorpe. So to play these type of tournaments, it's not just because of the pizzazz of doing so and getting away, Correct. but it's also because it helps you for tournament action. That's right? exactly right. Like you just said, we're we're jumping into the deep end this weekend <laughs> with and Barry, a great team. You know, they played probably one of the toughest schedules in the country, period. Um, and so we know that we've got our work cut out for us this weekend with both teams. I mean, Oglethorpe has beat Barry already this year. So we got a, we got a tough weekend coming up. So by playing two very talented teams this past week, we did exactly what you said. We are prepared more so now going into this weekend. The And I guess from a coaching perspective, again, you're, there's going to be games throughout a season where you just don't shoot the ball well. Like That's right. going to happen. As long as your team's playing hard, that type, like I guess if nobody wants to lose, but at least you feel a little bit better, like, hey, we played hard. Right. Shots just didn't go in. And if shots don't go in, that's going to happen sometimes. And that's what we talked about after the game. You know, was I wasn't going to go in and, and go crazy and scream and yell. I wasn't going to get anything for anybody. It would, <laughs> yeah, only, yeah. it would only make me feel worse after I walked out of there. So, you know, the thing that we talked about, the guys played hard. Check that box because they played hard the entire game. They tried to rebound. They tried. They dove on the floor. They did all the the little things what you're looking at when you <clears throat> you want to measure effort. So, you know, we checked that box. They they executed plays well. We just didn't make shots. And so you turn the page quickly. And that's what I told them. And I said, look, our goals are still the same. We're still one and zero in the league. You know, there's a lot of things that we're really, you know 
mindful of and task oriented. And so we're looking at league play now. And so what do we got to do to get better and fix that? So, and we did. So and the biggest thing was we're not going to watch this film. We're going to move on <laughs> and we're going to, we're going to start focusing on Barry. That's what you say after the game. Once you've calmed down, thought about what you want to say to the right. kids, but during the game, especially during timeouts, what are you saying to a team again where you know that they're just having an off day shooting the ball? But what can you what can you say? Continue to to work on, you know, executing play. You know, I never talk about, hey, we're we're only looking at this. We're still trying to win the game no matter what the score is, right? And so you know, we were down, I think, 18 um, with 12 to go, and it was about possessions at that point. You know, I'm, I'm talking to them about winning possessions and continuing with, with high-level effort and, and making sure that they understand we're still playing for the next game. And so they, we got to play for the next day and continue to get better throughout that game because we can use it to get better. But, you know, I was trying to win every four-minute segment. I was trying to save timeouts <laughs> to win every two to three minutes and, and give them a break. And so you're just telling drive, drive, drive at this point. You're not, yeah. seeing, you're not seeing the ball go through the, through the net from threes. So drive. And, and try to find the open man for that. Well, fortunately, like, even with driving, you're like, well, you, you would think like be aggressive and maybe we get to the free throw line. But <laughs> right. The free throws aren't going in either, nope. so that doesn't that doesn't help right. us either. On the defensive end, how did you think the guys played? You know, our that's what our assistant coaches were reminding me of after the game was our defensive efficiency rating was still really well, really good. So. Defensively, we could definitely be better on, on certain things. We're still we're a little bit slow on our closeout angle and different things like that. But we're uh, we're definitely getting there. You can see the guys are growing up and adjusted to the new defensive philosophy from you know where they were prior to being here. So we're getting there. And so um, you know the biggest thing that we got to we got to do is is we got to contain the drive better. We've just been really weak at that all year. I'm sure that you you don't change your philosophy of what you want to do, even though you may face a team that's better suited to guard the perimeter. But when you do run into those type of teams, and I'm not sure if Barry or Oglethorpe or whoever is that type of team that really guards against the three, and you're three-point oriented, right. I'm sure there's slight adjustments. What, what do you do as far as strategy in well, those situations? You know, everybody... Somewhere they have something that they're they're going to give up, you know, in their mm-hmm. defensive strategy. So you try to figure out what that is. Are they are they weaker at guarding the corner three? Are they weaker at guarding you know in the slot or the top of the key or whatever it is? And you you do adjust plays, calling, um, you know, setting up plays to get in, to get shots in certain areas. But you know, for the most part, we've done a really good job of making teams play to us and really adjust to our style of play and. We did not do that against <clears throat> Laverne at all. So mm-hmm. now going into this week, we got to get back to playing up tempo, you know, both games and really get out and go because then we get to dictate where those shots come from instead of them. The And now for conference play, it's basically every Friday, Sunday, the rest of the way? Friday, Sunday, Warriors, all the way through every other day, <laughs> on Friday to Sunday. So 8 o'clock games, Friday nights, 3 o'clock on Sunday. All right, now the dirt. How was Vegas? It was great. You know, the guys really enjoyed it. Most of our guys have never been there, so they got to take advantage of some great restaurants. Uh, <clears throat> gave them plenty of free time. You know, I tell them all the time. I treat them like grown men because they are. So trusted them, and nobody had any issues, and so everybody came back in one piece. I, I always get a kick out of um, 
With me, it's like when um, I go with somebody and they're going to New York for the first time, yep. especially if they're from small city and they're like their eyes get so big, like they they can't believe what they're seeing. The, those who had not been to Vegas, what was it like for them when they first stepped off the plane and then got out of the airport and went, oh, my God. Didn't even take them to step off the plane. They were, like, leaning across each other, <laughs> yeah. trying to get pictures out the plane window as we're coming in and being loud. <laughs> so, I mean, just yeah. when you're flying in and you see the strip, you're like, what? It is. Because yep. it's such such the weird setting of the desert. And you just yeah, this, well, you don't see anything until you see that. It's just a different world. You come over the mountain and there's there it is, right? <laughs> and so we flew in during the day, so they didn't get the chance to see the lights at night like that from from above but they were they were sharing in the group text they were sharing all their pictures from their flight in and i think they really really enjoyed the experience and getting a chance to we stayed on the the strip so they got to get up and down and really take it all in so i I was happy for them for that And, and that's the thing too i mean look you guys are you're on a mission to win to get to the ncaa division three tournament Uh, i understand all that but also these are college kids. They're right. trying to enjoy themselves. They're getting their education, but having fun. And you have to make that nice mix as a yep. coach of having the guys get out there and having fun and having entertainment for them, but also trying to complete the mission that you've put together for them. No doubt. And so it was obviously a, a happy medium on both, you know, with our, with our guys and an opportunity at this level, Division Three basketball, they're... The, the true passion is there because they're paying to be a part of this. Right? There's <laughs> yeah. no athletic scholarships. So you want to give them great student-athlete experiences. And so I think by doing these events, we did just that. And, you know, we let our captains sit down and do some of the planning with the coaches as far as, like, where we're going to go to eat and some of the different things that we did while we were there. And so, and then we gave them the free time that they asked for. We didn't give them all the free time they asked for, <laughs> but we gave them free time. We, you know, we practiced at UNLV. You know, while we were there, nice. we got to go to Thomas and Mac and got to see different venues and all the different cool practice facilities that are around the country that we try to, to hit. They really enjoy that stuff. How that's when you talk about free time on these types of trips, like you said, you want to give them some free time, but you're also there for like, you know, on a business trip to win games. So, how do you try and balance that aspect of it? You know, it, it, it there's really, it, to me, it's, it's, Get done, get your business done first, and then see what's left of the day, right? And that's that's what we're always. My my mindset is we plan the day around what we got to get done for business wise first, and then we'll we'll adjust and, and and plan accordingly after that. But really, the focus was, you know, obviously get plan all your meals, and then your film and practice, and and your late meeting in the evening to go back over anything scouting report wise. But other than that, you know, you, you let them drop in their free time and, yeah. and go from there. So where are you as you enter 2024 health-wise? We're good. We got uh, we get Jonathan Prang back next week. Um, and so after that, we, we you know Jason Jogic, he, he'll make his Rhodes debut in the next couple weeks as well. And knock on wood, we're pretty healthy. Other than my sinus infection, we're in a good place. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And once again, Barry Oglethorpe, big challenge for you guys. A little bit about each one of those opponents. Yeah, I mean, both super, super talented, very athletic teams. Um, you know, Barry's got player of the year, Chase Ellis coming back, defensive player of the year, Braxton coming back. So very talented team there. Uh, they've got a couple guys that are just playing really, really great basketball and really stepped up this year. Chase has been in and out of the lineup <clears throat> due to injury. So other guys have really stepped up and played really well. And Oglethorpe, 
you know, they've got second leading scorer in, in the conference on their team, and they got a returner in Uba who's dominant, dominant player on the inside. So we've got we've got our work cut out for us. So the hopefully for your sake that you know it, it's all about the law of averages. You yep. guys should have a lot of made shots coming hopefully your way. We got you guys are a good shooting the, team, and to miss that many, they should be it, things. Hopefully, turn around. Hopefully, we kept the bag full. We didn't <laughs> use too many of them. So we, uh, we, but that's you know that's that's part of it. And so we're getting back to some familiar territory, and, and we'll get a lot of shots up in those gyms this weekend. By the way, how did the women fare? One on one, they did. They had a they won the first game and, and lost the second game like we did. All right. Good luck this weekend down in Georgia. Appreciate it. Thank you. He is Zoe Goodson. He's the head basketball coach of the Rhodes men's team. You can follow him on Twitter at Zoe Goodson. And every Tuesday we talk Rhodes athletics right here on Sports 56 Mornings. I want to tell you folks about Lawn Solutions. It's a locally owned weed control fertilization company that serves the greater Memphis area. Brandon Holly and his team of professionals can take care of your lawn in 2024. Just give them a call at 901 901- 8675626 or go online to lawnsolutionsinc.net. Again, they are a weed control fertilization company. They are not a lawn mowing service. They'll kill those weeds, get you that green, plush, beautiful lawn. They control the germination of weeds all year long. Right now they're applying what they call pre-emergence and during the summer months, <clears throat> excuse me, they're applying post-emergence. And what it does, it kills the weeds even during the times when the grass is dormant. So when spring is sprung, there's no weeds in sight. They can take care of any disease your lawn has or any insect infestation as well. So do what I do. Call Lawn Solutions, 901-867-5626 or online at lawnsolutionsinc.net. When we come back, we'll take a look at what's happening in the National Football League. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Gonna put the world away for a minute. Pretend I don't live Welcome back, everyone. 925 is the time. We have been busy to say the least here on this program, talking everything from college bowl games to the NBA to college basketball now to the NFL week 17 wrapped up now we got one week to go in the regular season still a lot at stake coming up this weekend but a look back at week 17 which began last Thursday with Cleveland beating the New York Jets 37 to 20 Browns playoff bound at 11 and 5 and then there was the one game on Saturday which ended up being pretty controversial. A game that went down to the wire and then some. Dallas, your Cowboys, knocking off Detroit 20-19. to Both teams now at 11-5. and Dallas still playing for the NFC East title. The Lions have wrapped up the NFC North. They're both in the playoffs. But the whole finish with Dan Campbell going for two and then 
the report or not report and the officials screwing things up. What was your take? I didn't get a chance to see it. I was doing the Tiger game, but your take on that whole fiasco. <laughs> it's, I, I don't, it, it was so confusing. And, I, and even the explanations afterwards from the referee don't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, especially when you watch all of the different video that they have found, because my guess is he, the referee, just got confused as to who, which one actually reported as eligible. Like that, that's like he assumed when he saw Skipper number seventy coming towards him, like just in his head, he assumed that's the guy that's reporting as eligible because he was the one coming off the sideline, and basically just ignored number 68 who's standing right there next to him and there would have been no reason for him to go over there and talk to the referee other than to report so i i don't know but he and then when he explains it that way he says that 70 reported 68 did not obviously the lions say the opposite they say 70 68 did 70 did not but he also then said that there was a flag thrown for an illegal formation, which would be correct if based on what they thought. If if they thought 70 reported and 68 did not, it would be an illegal formation. I still don't see that flag. I don't like there was I don't I don't I didn't see that flag get thrown. I didn't see any flag on that play. And there was nothing to indicate there was ever a flag thrown until the late one after the thing happened. But And when you're saying he, you mean the official. The official said that. The referee, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. So, if based on what he said was true in their mind, it would be an illegal formation, an ineligible receiver downfield, and an illegal touching. The only flag that was thrown, and, there, and the only thing he announced was an illegal touching. They did not. They did not announce any illegal formation, but he said, "No, there was a flag for an illegal formation as well." I still don't know where that flag is. Like, I never saw it. So I don't. I think he and his crew got completely confused, and just again, I think he, in his mind, he sees seventy coming off the sideline towards him. Because the thing is, if you watch it, seventy never even really got close enough to him to report. Mm-hmm. Like he, he he got within like ten feet, maybe that was the closest he ever got. Because he, the other two guys are there talking to him, and he walks away before seventy even gets there. But I think because seventy comes in and kind of raises his hand, he just automatically assumes that guy's reporting is eligible, and he doesn't even think about what has just been told to him. Now, the other part of it is if. Did they outsmart themselves, the Lions, even though no, it's not their fault? Again, they... Dan Campbell said he talked to the officials before the game about this exact play, like everything else. Now, here's the thing. If the referees had got it right, is the play successful? I don't know. Because the Cowboys are told who is reported as an eligible receiver. They're not told that 68 is an eligible receiver, so they have no reason to guard 68. Right. He's not an eligible receiver. Like, right, right. We shouldn't have to worry about him. We're worried about 70. That's the one. And I think he announced it in the stadium that 70 had reported as eligible. Somebody for the Lions could have easily heard that, caught that, would be like, wait a second. Now, it kind of blows your whole thing when you have to stop. <laughs> like, wait a second. No, he's not the eligible receiver. But somebody should be able to catch that. Like, wait a second. He's got 70 as our eligible receiver. He also tells the Cowboys who the eligible receivers are. So the Cowboys aren't thinking of 68 as an eligible receiver. So who knows what the play happens if everything is done correctly. I think Dan Campbell, I think the mistake he made, his 
macho mentality, I think, got him. Once you have the penalty, you should kick the extra point. Right. I was going to ask you, so what was it? Did they actually attempt the two-point conversion like several times? Well, twice. They had the one with the penalty, and then they had the one where they were unsuccessful. Okay. So, yes, you're right. Then he comes back, and he tries it when it all imploded in his face, even though it was more on the officials than on him. Yeah, that's when you kick the extra point. No question about that. The... um, uh, and actually, I guess was there three times? Was there a three? I, that's what there was, I, that's the, the Cowboys what had I the penalty. You. The Cowboys had the penalty on the second attempt, right? Was the offsides penalty? I'm trying to think of this, I think yes, the Cowboys had the penalty on the second one. So there was a so third was a, try. So that's that's try. why I asked you about that because I had re- again, I didn't see it. I wasn't watching it. From everything I read, was there was the third try, and this guy still went for the two pointer. Well, at that point, he had gotten halfway back. The second one, when you're backed up the five yards. Yeah, but it's usually by element, by surprise, to go for the win. You have the other team flustered. You score late. Quite frankly, the third attempt, like if Goff makes a good throw, they actually get it. I know. He made a bad throw. But to me, once you have the penalty, I'm kicking the extra point. I'm taking my chance. Chances in overtime at that point. But, yeah, it's that the officiating crew, I mean, based on... Everything the Lions said about they have literally said he talked to the officials before the game about this play, like because their whole thing is they're trying to which again because the referee goes and tells the defense it's there's not much trickery you can put into it but he their whole thing is they have all of these guys go talk to the official talk mm-hmm. to the referee right because they want some confusion from the defense about who is actually reporting as eligible but again the. The, the official goes, the referee goes and tells the defense after that, but there's still, you want a little bit of confusion. And if he talked to them before the game about this, that, hey, this if this comes up, we might do this. This play could happen. And they still, and again, 68 says he did exactly what he was told to do. He went and reported. And I have to assume 70 did not ever actually report. And that is a colossal screw up by an officiating crew. Like look, like you can't you can't have anything more basic. There's you can make bad calls in a game. There's nothing more basic than a guy what a guy comes and tells you. Like if, if a guy comes and reports is eligible and you screw up which one of the guys it actually was that told you he was eligible, that is a colossal screw up it's, by an officiating. It's group. a colossal screw up, but like you said, if Dallas actually knew who the guy was that was reporting, maybe they would have stopped it. Who knows? But the fact is Detroit went for it. He's a gambler. I don't mind that. But what did it cost the Lions in the long run? There was a chance that they could have been the number two overall? Well, yeah, if they would have won that, if if the Lions win that game, they would be... Um, Only well, they, beyond they, the 49ers. They would be the number two seed. Right. So they, you With know, the Philadelphia loss. So who knows how much... He he costs them going for it, but again, that's why people like uh, like Dan Campbell because he's he's aggressive. He does that. now. As far as the Cowboys are concerned, going into this weekend, the Cowboys play at Washington, the Eagles play at the Giants. If the Cowboys win, they win the NFC East. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's simple. They win if they lose, and the Eagles win. The Eagles they have the are NFC East champions. They would win base of the conference record tiebreaker. Okay, elsewhere, week seventeen. The Baltimore Ravens. Right now, it's the Harbaugh's world, and we're just living in it. John Harbaugh and Baltimore. Holy smokes, what they've done the last few weeks. They beat, and early on, I thought Miami was, wow, Miami's torching that Baltimore defense. And then the Baltimore defense turned it up to 11. 56 to 19 was the final. 56 to 19. The Ravens clinched the top seed in the AFC. Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, clinches the MVP. 
He goes 18 of 21, 321 yards, five touchdowns. And then Miami, to add injury to insult, Bradley Chubb, towards the very end of the game, out of reach, torn ACL. Done. Yeah. Um, this, and I, the, Lamar Jackson is the MVP. Baltimore, these last two weeks, that's about as good as you can do. I, Hard I mean, to beat it. My goodness gracious, mm-hmm. that offense. Again, this like it's when you think about all of the guys they're missing off their offense, and they're still doing this. You know, you're you're between running backs and Mark Andrews, all like they're missing guys all over the place, and yet they're going out and putting up fifty, and they're blowing other really good teams out. Like that, they are. They they right now look like unbeatable based off these two weeks. You like the team? How the hell are you beating this team? Their defense is really good. We know that, and their offense is just basically in an unstoppable mode. Could you imagine Jim Harbaugh and Michigan win the national title, which they have one game to to win to do that, and John Harbaugh and Baltimore win the Super Bowl? Very well, could happen. So Buffalo beat New England 27-21. to That means you have Miami and Buffalo. That will be the Sunday night game in Miami. And that one again, winner wins the AFC East. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty simple. Uh, elsewhere, Indianapolis beat Vegas 23-20. So my Colts are still alive. They go to 9-7. and That eliminates the Raiders. And uh, Jonathan Taylor back with the Colts. 21 carries, 96 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you had Chicago beating Atlanta 37-17. to Justin Fields, 20 of 32, 268 in a touchdown. 11 rushes, 45 yards in a touchdown. Fans were chanting his name. Does Chicago still, now they're going to have two picks. They're going to have the number one overall pick and another high pick. Do they take a quarterback? That's the decision they got to make. And now is it a slam dunk that it's Caleb Williams? I know Drake May's up there. We talked about Michael Penix already earlier in the show. I Michael Penix, to me, I, I think he's going to be the best of the bunch. I've said it. This is not, um, you know, hindsight. You, anybody who listens to this show know I've been on Michael Penix's bandwagon for a long time. But I wonder what it does as far as whether they take a quarterback, if it changes or alters what they want to do there, or if they take a quarterback at all. Fields played very well towards the end of the season. One more game to go. Jacksonville beat Carolina 26 to nothing. No Trevor Lawrence. Didn't matter. Travis Entienne. 16 carries, 102 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. The Rams clinch a spot. They beat the Giants 26-25. The Rams at 9-7, and after all the injuries to start the year, they've gotten healthy. Look pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they've, uh, the last you know five, six weeks, they've certainly been one of the best teams in the NFC. I mean, they've been consistent. Stafford's playing well. They've got, obviously, Nakua with the season he's had and Cooper Cup. They've got plenty of weapons. Um, you know, you've got Aaron Donald on the defensive side of the ball, Ramsey. Um, they've, they, this is a, they, they are a dangerous team in the postseason, a team that obviously has plenty of experience with the Super Bowl, all of that stuff. That is a team that could be dangerous in the postseason. And they nearly lost that game. The Giants got a 94-yard punt return for a touchdown with 327 to play, but they went for two and they came up short. The Eagles, what is going on? Losing at home to Arizona, 35-31 in a meaningful game. They lose at home to Arizona. Kyler Murray, 25-31, 232, three touchdowns and a pick. Good to see Kyler Murray playing at a high level. James Conner had the two-yard 
go-ahead touchdown run with 32 seconds left. Jalen Hurts threw three touchdowns, had a pick, but the Eagles just something's amiss. That is such a bad loss. I I can't I I am stunned that they lost that game. I mean, you've got a game. You're you're playing for your to to win a division. You've got a twenty-one to six lead over a three-win team on your home field, mm-hmm. and you lose that game. That is that's mind blowing. Like <laughs> I don't. By the way, Arizona technically is the champion of the NFC East since they have the wins over the Cowboys and the Eagles. <laughs> um, I, I just don't like. I didn't see that coming at all. I, I, I just. That's why I really, with the Cowboys, I was like, the, the whole thing, I was like, it really isn't, in the end, it's not going to matter that much because we're, the Eagles aren't going to lose one of the last two games. Never in a million years could have imagined the Eagles losing that game at home. Right, making that. Especially with the lead. Like, you're, good, you're up 21-6. Like, at that point, you figure the other team's just going to give up. Like, it's over. Who cares? I, I'm stupefied by that one. Yeah, a lot of people are. Um, I was a little surprised at this one, not like I was with Philly losing, but New Orleans beating Tampa in Tampa, 23-13. Tampa had played extremely well of late, and the Saints go in there and win. Derek Carr, a couple of touchdown passes. Baker Mayfield threw for 300 yards and two touchdowns, but he threw two picks. So both teams now 8-8, and and if you look at the NFC South, somebody's got to win that division. Tampa's 8-8, and New Orleans is 8-8, and Atlanta is 7-9. and What's the scenario there? Uh, well, Tampa wins. They're the champion. Uh, if they lose and New Orleans wins, obviously New Orleans is it. And Tampa plays at Carolina. New Orleans hosts Atlanta. And Atlanta wins. And then Tampa loses. And Tampa loses. They get in. Tampa, Atlanta's the champion of the South. Wow. Uh, San Francisco beat Washington 27-10. The 49ers clinched the NFC top seed. Brock Purdy, 22-28 for 230 and two touchdowns. Pittsburgh, we had Brandon Brandon Lang on Friday telling us that Mike Tomlin, he just doesn't have losing seasons, ever. So Pittsburgh goes into Seattle and wins 30-23, and they are still alive. Najee Harris had one of his better games this year. They've struggled running the ball. He had 27 totes for 122 yards and two touchdowns. And they win with Mason Rudolph, who didn't throw for a lot of yards. But since Mason Rudolph's taken over, they're 2-0. Geno Smith threw for 290 and a touchdown, but not enough for Seattle. Yeah, Pittsburgh has has seven different scenarios where they could... Make the playoff. The, the bottom of the AFC is so crazy. There are so many different. Of course, and in the NFL, you always have to. They always have to have of the tie scenario. So there's like a million things. I mean, Buffalo's playing for the division title, but if they lose, they're probably out of the playoffs. Like it's there's the AFC. The the six and seven spots are a jumbled mess. The Colts. Who do they play? They play. You know the Colts play. Indy plays. Why can't I find them? Indy plays. Oh, they play Houston. Saturday. That's right. They, they play, play Houston, right? Yeah, they play Houston. What's the scenario there in the AFC South with Houston, Indiana, and Jacksonville? Jacksonville, I would assume, if they win at the Titans, Jacksonville wins win the division the, title. Yeah, they win the division title. If they lose, it's the winner of Houston Indy. Yeah, Houston Indy winner is the division winner. It's 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 funny because I was watching NBC and my buddy Boomer Esiason is doing the playoff scenario. 
and he got a minimum of two things wrong as I'm watching. Like, first of all, he goes, the Rams, if the Rams win next week, they're in the playoffs. The Rams had already clinched the spot. They were already in. And then he said, the Jags have already sewn up. Nope, the Jags have not sewn up a spot yet. That's CBS. Uh, oh, Boomer CBS. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's he, he screwed that thing up so royally. It's almost like yeah. Terry Bradshaw doing highlights. In the AFC, there are still five teams that could be the sixth seed and five teams that could be the seventh seed. Wow. <laughs> it's like there are so many different scenarios with those with between the if if Buffalo loses if Miami beats Buffalo then it, it it just gets very confusing at the bottom. Yeah, Buffalo as you said they could be out of the playoffs or Buffalo can go on and win the Super Bowl. Uh the Kansas City well, Chiefs they're, they're, they'll either be the they win they're the 2 seed if they lose good chance you're not in the playoffs. What about the flip side for Miami? Miami is game, they I think for Miami to get out they're in better shape than Buffalo if they lose. I think is Miami already I think they already clinched a playoff spot. I think let, they're in. Let me let me see. Oh yeah, they're already in. They're already right, in. They're, already they're in. in the playoffs. This is just for the division title. Buffalo is not in. Like there there's a good chance they're out if they lose the game. Wow. So a lot more at stake for Buffalo at Miami. Man, there's some good games this weekend. Kansas City clinches the AFC West title for an eighth straight year. Didn't look great in doing so, but they beat Cincinnati 25-17. to Like the Eagles, they've been a miss here recently, but they are 10-6. and The Bengals at 8-8. Eight and eight. Pat Mahomes, 21-29, 245, and a touchdown. Uh, Harrison Butker, 6-for-6 six six field goals. Yeah, that, their offense still just is, I don't know. I just can't figure it out. Like, Kelsey is, like, non-existent. It's hard to believe. Had, what, One three, of the most dominating tight ends or something ever. like that. Like he right. Just, they can't. He's been taken away. Like I don't know. Like you know, Rasheed Rice has been really good. He's been their most consistent guy. And he had a big game, but they're just I don't know that offense. Like right now, like to me, the first when they go on the um, on the road, especially in the postseason, mm-hmm. I don't know who they can who they're going to beat. Right. That's why a lot of people right now are doubting their chances by being a roadie when they're used to being home for all these great playoff runs and Super Bowls. Denver beat the Chargers 16-9. Jarrett Stidham getting the start over Russell Wilson. Threw for 224 and a touchdown. And then Green Bay on the Sunday night game, 33-10 over Minnesota. Jordan Love, three touchdown passes and a rushing touchdown. Minnesota started Jaron Hall, and then they pulled him out. Uh, Green Bay... What's the situation now in the NFC North? Detroit obviously has clinched. What's the situation for the Packers? Minnesota is still alive, I guess, as well. Yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota's hanging by a thread. They got like a thousand. Green Bay, if Green Bay wins, they're in. Okay, and Green Bay plays. Green Bay will play at home against Chicago. So a rivalry game. Minnesota can get in if they win, and. Seattle, Green Bay, and Tampa Bay all lose, or Seattle, Green Bay, and New Orleans lose. Hmm. So. Highly unlikely. Good luck. Highly unlikely. Good, good, good luck to the Vikings. It's probably not going to happen, uh, but Green Bay is a simple one. Now, there's a lot of other ways. If, with, if Green Bay loses, they could get in with losses by those Seattles, Tampa Bays, New Orleans, Minnesotas, all of those, but if Green Bay wins... They are in, which uh, probably the I, I would recommend to them just win the game. Yeah, uh, just win. Don't don't hope for 
a combination of like four other teams to lose or tie and all of that stuff. Speaking of tie, how about black tie? Black tie movers, when you've got a move coming up, make sure you get the professionals to help you with that move. It takes a lot of the stress, a lot of the worry out of the process for you. And black tie moving, well, they're the best in the business. All you got to do, give them a call. 901-316-6196. Or you can go to the website, black tiemoving.com slash Memphis. Talk with the folks at Black Tie Moving. They work with you coming up with a plan for your move that fits your needs, fits your budget. They give you a no obligation quote up front. You know exactly what it's going to cost when you deal with the folks at Black Tie Moving. If you need uh, them to do everything, even the packing and unpacking, hey, they'll be happy to do that. Maybe you need storage in an interim between your places. They've got that taken care of for you as well. Or maybe you just, all you need is them pick up the boxes, Take them and drop them off. Well, again, they're going to work with you coming up with that plan, fitting whatever it is that you need. So talk to the folks at Black Tie Moving, 901-316-6196, or go to blacktiemoving.com slash Memphis. So what did the Panthers owner do over the weekend at a game against Jacksonville? You probably know. We'll talk about that when we return on our final segment. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Here's lightning. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. This hour is brought to you by Acura Memphis, located on Ridgeway 385 and online at AcuraMemphis.com. If you're going to start the new year with a new automobile, maybe a pre-owned vehicle, well, go see the folks at Acura of Memphis, just like always. You know, every single time you go in there, you're going to have a great car buying experience, great people to deal with, and of course, great automobiles from Acura of Memphis. I haven't had a chance to get to a lot of your text messages today. It's been a busy, busy morning, obviously, with the long holiday weekend, 901-360-8255. A couple I did want to get to. Uh, somebody texted, so the Eagles are an 8-18 eight and 18 with a record of 11-5. and five. Well, that's the early in the year. They played a lot of close games, but they just found a way to win all of them. Now they're not finding ways to win those games. Um, and again, that loss, like with what was on the line to lose to that team at home is just it's crazy. Like yeah, how, that, do you that, just, that, how do you just lose it just like that? Because the texter, it's funny because they're right. Early in the year, they were an 11-5 team. Right now, they are an 8-8 eight eight team. At least the feel of an 8-8 eight eight team. I don't know what's happened. And again, it goes like last year, the Vikings were able to do it all year. Like you always, If you're constantly playing those close games, you're, you shouldn't, although the Vikings last year did, always find a way to win them. Like some of the, It's got to catch up with you. And it has caught up with the Eagles a little bit here later in the year. Um, another texter says, nobody's talking why three Detroit linemen were approaching the ref when only one is reporting. They created the confusion themselves. But that's what they're trying to do. Like, and that's why, again, going by what Dan Campbell said, that's why he explained it to the officials before the game that this is what we're going to do so that there isn't that confusion with the officials because they're trying to create confusion from the defense about which guy is actually reporting and all of that stuff. So, yes, it, and then in the end, it get, it ends up confusing the referee. But again, if he told the referee before the game, this is what we're going to do, and the referee still screwed it up, again, 
that officiating crew has had a like they've they're bad. They've, they've had other. They've, they've had a lot of games incidents, this year, right? And they're supposedly being downgraded, and they will not work in the postseason. Which thank goodness. But and this was the good thing too about the college playoffs yesterday is we had two great games. And we don't come out of it talking about officiating at all. Mm-hmm. The NFL, it constantly happens. You're always talking, like there always is problems. But in those two games just last night, now granted, again, replay, able to correct a lot. Like that fumble, the the play that the Texas fumble, where they originally ruled the guy was down when he was, like he was so far from being down when he lost that football, that would have sucked. But you could, you could correct it via replay and Washington recover, all that stuff. But there's not one bit of conversation about officiating about those two games yesterday, despite being two great down-to-the-wire games where a, a call could affect it either way. Whereas the NFL, this huge game Saturday night, and I don't know how many people were watching them, sure the ratings were monstrous, and the game ends by what appears to be a colossal screw-up by the referee. Yeah, it's a good point. We're talking more about the play call from Alabama on the uh, fourth down at the goal line, at the three-yard three, three yard line. But the um, it's interesting that you could talk to these officials before the game and tell them what you're going to do. See, if I'm if I'm a coach, I'm talking to these officials, I'm saying, well, look, we're, we're going to do a lot of plays, and it's going to look like we're holding, but we're really not holding. So don't call any holding penalties because it's going to look like we're holding. We're going to do some plays in our secondary. It's going to look like pass interference, but we're just trying to trick them. It's really not pass interference. So don't call any pass interference calls. No, I'm kidding. But the thing is, it's interesting that you're even able to talk to officials before the game. I don't even know you, if you should be able to. You shouldn't be well, able to. Anytime you're doing a, a game, any kind of these trick weird plays, like they want to just be aware this is what we're doing. How often does that happen, though, where you're well, talking to the lot. officials? They talk to officials before yeah, a game? Not on the field, yeah. Really? I, I, I don't know. All right, so, David, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I was going to uh, bring up, it's like if, because Brad Allen, he announced that 70 was mm-hmm. the eligible yep. tackle. So why didn't the Lions? Well, that's it. Yeah, we were just just talking about that. The Lions easily could have caught it. And now again, it screws up the whole thing. If you like, wait, 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 no, 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 sixty-eight's the guy (laughs) because it. So they would have had to probably change the play and do something different. But yes, again, they could have caught it because he announces in the stadium right. 70 is the eligible receiver. Somebody should have been able to like, wait a second, that's not right. It's supposed to be 68. Yeah, the Lions wanted confusion, but they confused the officials. It's not the Lions' fault. It's the, it's the officials' fault. They screwed that up. But again, as Eli said, if they knew actually who was the one reporting, maybe the Cowboys defend that better because they obviously defended a different person. So who, who, who knows? I, I still think that 68 is talking to him and says and reports as eligible. Well, while he's doing that, he's watching number 70 yes. come off the sideline. Yes. And there, so in his head, confusion. he's he's got the number 70 in his mind. He hears somebody say, I'm reporting as eligible. And in his head, it was number 70 reporting when actually it was number 68. If you guys missed this over the weekend, Panthers owner David Tepper in the suite where he was at in the game in Jacksonville. He's the owner of the Panthers. Panthers losing in Jacksonville to the Jaguars. David Tepper throws a drink onto fans at Everbank Stadium. Video is there. It's It doesn't lie. We can see it. The NFL has acknowledged awareness of the video, but has said nothing more. The Panthers have declined comment. The Jags, again, whose stadium the incident occurred, had nothing to say. He threw a vi- he threw a drink on fans. What should happen to David Tepper? 
What can you do to the owner of a team other than a fine, which is going to be pennies for this guy who's worth so much money? Yeah, I mean, I would think there would be some sort of fine, a suspension, which again just means he can't go to the games. It doesn't really have that big of an effect on anything. But I would assume there, there will be something like that handed down. Yeah, keep him away from games, I think, would be would hurt him more than... And there's only one more game to go in the regular season, but maybe something that goes into next year other than just a fine because, again, these guys are rich and it doesn't really hurt their bottom line. But, my gosh, you talk about a guy who is out of control. Is David Temper, temper more like David Temper. David Temper. He has a temper, no question about it. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue. If you're looking for a great place for lunch or for dinner, you can dine in at any of their four restaurants in the Memphis area. You can... Go through the delivery uh, and have that no-contact delivery. Or you can just order up and pick up uh, or have the services delivered to your home or office. Whatever it takes to get that delicious barbecue. When you're there and you order your entree, whether it be a barbecue sandwich, maybe some of those uh, delicious nachos, a catfish plate, any entree, you can pick up a third of a rack of ribs for just $6.99. Party packs starting at just $7.49. And you got any event coming up in the new year, they will cater your events. They'll start you as low as $8.99 per person. They've been catering for as long as they've been in existence, which is four decades. That delicious, slow-smoked barbecue. They're located at Poplar Avenue in Memphis, Poplar Avenue in Collierville, Germantown Parkway in Cordova, and Goodman Road in Olive Branch. And reserve their private party room at either the Cordova or the Olive Branch locations. It's Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, open for lunch and dinner seven days a week. That'll do it for us. We want to thank Jeff Crane, Zoe Goodson for joining us on the program today. Thank you folks for listening. Tomorrow, we'll talk Tigers basketball with assistant coach Andy Borman, plus Jerry Palm from CBS Sports. And we're talking Grizzlies with DeMichael Cole, the Grizzlies tonight hosting Victor Wembenyama and the San Antonio Spurs. Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 is coming up next. For Eli Savoy and Zach Boyd, I'm Greg Gaston. Have a great day, everybody. Be my-